and welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at pub quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Lauren. How are you feeling? We had a very uh, big, big day yesterday. We did. Uh, we're recording this on Friday the 8th, uh, the day after we hosted a trivia night for the Strong Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, in which, during which Lauren and I talked for 90 minutes straight and did not stop. I felt like sometimes I was looking into your eyes while we were talking. It was just like, I felt like motor mouth, like talk, talk, talk. Like you kind of rise above your body and you're like, I'm talking right now. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what I'm saying. But, um, thank you so much to everybody who came to that. My gosh. I have to say, um, I think it it went as well as it could have. Absolutely. I know that we had a couple technical difficulties mm-hmm, and thank mm-hmm. you for sticking it, sticking around with us for that. This was the first virtual trivia night that the yep. museum had hosted. And so it was a, there was a slight learning curve for all of us, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think that, um, that you guys who attended, you're the real winners here. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. We had 84 people in 60 teams, which yeah. Shane and Sarah are, are, uh, are graders. The scorers, yeah did not were not prepared for no. and were basically in a full sweat for an hour and 45 minutes or whatever it was but they did an incredible job yeah so um, we uh we had a lot of fun thank you guys for coming oh oh and if you stuck around to the end um the power went out at the museum looked, it looked like and steve had told me this via text message it looked like you died like it was just it's, we were like, Awful. bye, everybody. Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. There was this wonderful guy from London who was like, I'm here. It's two in the morning. I'm coming. We were, like, London. we were like, oh, my gosh, thank you. Great. And then it was like, goosh. <laughs> <laughs> and they cut the video, but you could still hear the sound. And all you heard was just laugh screaming <laughs> from us, apparently, because so it looked like we like, had been vaporized. <laughs> vaporized. By aliens. But in fact, the power just went out and the strong has been having issues. Yeah, the with downtown power Rochester outages. this past week has had several instances where power was out for multiple hours at yeah. a time. So it was not um it was not unex- entirely unexpected. No, but but and thank God it <laughs> happened at the end. And then and then after this, you guys don't know this, we couldn't get out. The swipe card machines to get out of the of the second floor didn't work. The elevator didn't work, and yeah. we were in the section of the museum with all the dolls. <laughs> So, Warren was so excited. Oh, it was horrifying. Um, so we had to call security and have them actually open the door with like an old fashioned key. With an actual key. An actual a metal key. metal key with teeth. It um, was wild. It was so wild. perfect ending. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're actually joining the podcast for the first time because of the event. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much. Um, we'll give you a quick rundown, I guess, of, of what we actually sure. do on the podcast in case... In case you didn't glean Already that know. from the from all of our uh, plugs, all of our plugs. <laughs> constant we plugging, we were like, "Oh, if you didn't realize, we uh, have a trivia podcast." Why don't you tell them more, Lauren? So <laughs> I yeah. must have told everybody like three or four yeah. times, like, "Oh, well, we're a trivia <laughs> podcast. Uh, we're a trivia <laughs> podcast where we do a semi deep dive of a topic every week. Uh, we take turns. This week is Julia's week. She's going to teach me a little something, and then at the end, we do a ten question quiz that may or may not be related to the topic at hand. And it's fun. I think it's fun. We People try seem to, to like have it. Fun. You know, we try to cover topics that um, that come up in trivia and mm-hmm. pub quiz and stuff like stuff you should know. Yeah. Um. So that's. Perfect, because tonight is another installment in my most recent series called Unmixing, where basically, you know, if we always get confused a couple of names or a couple of places and we, you know, it's it's just stuck in your brain, you can't ever get it right. Um, So tonight I'm doing all sorts of authors that we confuse. So this is Unmixing, author, author. So I have kind of categorized these groups of authors, okay. um, perhaps why you might confuse them. Um, I'm going to tell you just like a quick tidbit about them and what they're most famous for. And Great. hopefully uh, this stuff sticks. <laughs> so, I hope so here too. Here we go, everybody. Um, so the first block is called Chinese Philosophers. 
Oh, Just wow. really getting into it. So the first one, Lao Tzu, he was alive between the 6th century and the 4th century BCE. Um, Lao Tzu means old master. Um, mm. He was an ancient Chinese philosopher and writer, and he was a founder of the philosophical Taoism. So he's most famous for the Tao Te Ching. Which oh, is, okay. Uh, it's technically undated, but it's a fundamental text for both philosophical and religious Taoism. It strongly influenced other schools of Chinese philosophy and religion, and it is among the most translated works in world literature. So Lao Tzu did the Tao Te Ching. Okay, great. Great. Next up, Sun Tzu. Oh, yeah. All right. The Art so, of War, right? Yes. Exactly. I don't even need to talk anymore. Okay, Lauren's great. just going to do... I'm just <laughs> oh, going to no, throw names at Lauren. She'll say a thing, and then no, this please. episode will be over in 15 minutes. It'll be awesome. My ignorance will be blade bare. <laughs> so, yeah. No. Kid, do you... I mean, it seems very easy to confuse Lao Tzu and Sun Tzu. Absolutely. Because same surname. Yeah. Very short. Yes. Anyway. Alive at the same time. Sure. Um, so Sun Tzu was alive from 544 BCE to 496 BCE. His name means Master Sun. Um, he was a Chinese general, a military strategist, a writer and philosopher. So he, as Lauren said, is most famous for Art of War. It was published in the 5th century BCE. So the Art of War is an ancient Chinese military treatise. It's composed of 13 chapters, each devoted to an aspect of warfare and how it applies to military strategy and tactics. Okay. And, I mean, this thing is what, like 2,500 years old at this point? And people yeah. still read it today. Oh, yeah. A lot of like businessmen read business it, Businessmen read it. Like yeah. Jack Donaghy Yeah. Absolutely. Jack Donaghy probably has like... Yeah, a leather-bound copy. A leather-bound copy. copy of Art mm -hmm. of War by Sun Tzu. And then our third Chinese philosopher... I feel like everybody's heard of this guy, Confucius. Oh, sure, yeah. So he was alive 551 BCE to 479 BCE, a Chinese philosopher and politician. He's traditionally credited with having authored or edited many of the Chinese classic texts, including all of the five classics. So that's okay. what are known as the major ancient Chinese texts. Um, he's most associated with the Analects. Okay. And that's also undated. It's also known as the Analects of Confucius. Um, it's an ancient Chinese book composed of a large collection of sayings and ideas attributed to the Chinese philosopher Confucius and his contemporaries. Okay. So he, a lot of maxims, a lot of, mm -hmm. you know, morality. Adages. Yeah. Exactly. So that's Confucius. So those those are the three Chinese philosophers. <laughs> Great. That that I'm talking about tonight. Lao Tzu is the Tao Te Ching. The Sun Tzu is Art of War. And Confucius is the Analects. Perfect. Moving along. Great. Pfft. Hop on a plane, guys. We're going to Great Britain. Wow. Ready? We're talking about the Bronte sisters. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, my gosh. I always get them confused. People always confuse them. So first, Charlotte Bronte. Mm -hmm. Her pen name was Currer Bell. Currer Bell. Okay. So um, you'll hear that the, that the three... Most famous Bronte sisters who published um, originally did publish under pen names that looked like male names mm -hmm. so that their stuff would get published. Yeah. So Charlotte Bronte was alive from 1816 to 1855. She is most famous for the book Jane Eyre. Okay. Was published in October 1847. Jane Eyre follows the experiences of its eponymous heroine, including her growth to adulthood and her love for Mr. Rochester, the brooding master of Thornfield Hall. Do not confuse the book Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte with the real life author Jane Austen. Yes, don't do People that. People do it all the time. Mm -hmm. Like even I, like when I first see Jane Eyre, I have to be like, that's not a person. Yeah. <laughs> that's a book. Yeah. So we did do an episode on Jane Austen, episode 30, Good Quiet Aunt Jane. It's very good. If you're interested. So Charlotte Bronte wrote Jane Eyre. Mm -hmm. Her sister Emily Bronte, whose pseudonym was Ellis Bell, was alive from 1814 to 1848. She's best known for Wuthering Heights. Ugh, terrible book. <laughs> that was published in December 1847. Mm -hmm. And this is Emily Bronte's only novel. So Wuthering Heights is gothic fiction. It's narrated by Nellie Dean. It tells Heathcliff's story at Wuthering Heights, which was Mr. Earnshaw's farmhouse on the moors, and his relationship with Catherine Earnshaw and her groom, Edgar Linton, and others. Okay. Emily yeah. Bronte, Wuthering Heights. Also, a uh, Wuthering Heights is a Kate Bush song. Oh, great. Yeah. We there might talk go. about Kate Bush next week, right? We are going to be talking a little bit about Kate Bush next week. There's a little teaser for all y'all. The third Bronte sister? Mm-hmm. Her name? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. She 
hates when Charlotte, I do Emily, and Anne Bronte. Yes, Anne Bronte, yes. whose pseudonym was Acton Bell. <clears throat> she was live from 1820 to 1849. She has two books you should know. Oh, okay. Agnes Gray, which was published in December 1847, which follows Agnes Gray, a governess, as she works within families of the English gentry, and The Tenant of Wildfeld Hall, which was published in 1848. So mm. this was framed as a series of letters from Gilbert Markham to his friend about meeting a mysterious young widow named Helen Graham, who arrives at Wildfeld Hall, an empty Elizabethan mansion with oh, her boy. young son and a servant. So here's how I remember them. I'm a person who, like... M- I either do like weird mnemonics that like only make sense to me <laughs> yeah. or um, I tend to rely on letters to yeah. link to link up for things. So for example, Emily Bronte wrote Wuthering Heights. You said Wuthering Heights is a terrible book. Yes. Ew. <laughs> Emily Wuthering. Ew. Okay. Yeah. I like that. All right. Yeah. Anne Bronte wrote Agnes Gray. Those both start with the letter A. Perfect. Got it. And Charlotte Bronte wrote Jane Eyre. So you can either keep like JC in your head or Mm -hmm. CJ. Those are. Yeah. Usually nicknamed together. Mm -hmm. Yep. There you go. I mean, of those four, I've only read two and Jane Eyre is the best. That's more than I have. (laughs) (laughs) I'll note also that um, Charlotte Bronte um, did write two other novels called The Professor and also Villette, but none of them were nearly as famous Mm -hmm. as Jane Mm -hmm. Eyre. Great. Moving along. Next section is called The Sinclairs and the Lewises. Oh, yes. Very important. You know why? Because we confuse these names all the time. All the time. All the time. First guy, Upton Sinclair. Yes. Was live 1878 to 1968. He's most famous for The Jungle, which mm-hmm. he published in 1906, that exposed labor and sanitary conditions in the U.S. meatpacking industry. Um, Upton Sinclair was also the 1934 Democratic Party nominee for governor of California. Get out. And he won the Pulitzer Prize for fiction in 1943 for the the novel Dragon's Teeth, which was mm. part of his Lanny Bud series. Okay. Um, and this won't be the first time I mention it, but for more on literary prizes, make sure you check out episode 134. It's a major award, literary medals and prizes. It's very good. So Upton Sinclair is the jungle. Um, if you think about the U.S. meatpacking industry that was that was focused in a lot of cities, mm-hmm. uh, maybe downtown in the city. What about uptown in a city? Upton Sinclair in the jungle. Yeah. Also, you talk about the U.S. meatpacking and U.S. <gasps> is Upton Sinclair. Look at you. Boom. See? Boom. I'm so See? good at this. Help it out. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, next, Sinclair Lewis. Yes. Not Upton Sinclair. Mm-mm. Sinclair Lewis. He was alive from 1885 to 1951. Um, he's best known as a novelist. He wrote Main Street in 1920. That's a satirical novel that relates the life and struggles of Carol Milford Kennicott in the small town of Gopher Prairie, Minnesota, as she comes into conflict with the small town mentality of its residents. Uh, his next book, Babbitt from 1922, yes. is a satirical novel about American culture and society that critiques middle-class life and the societal pressure toward conformity. Uh, his next book, Elmer Gantry from 1926, mm-hmm. uh, that's also a satirical novel about a young huh. narcissistic womanizing college athlete who abandons his early ambition to become a lawyer and eventually be- actually becomes a Methodist minister. Um, in 1930, Sinclair Lewis was the first writer from the United States and the first from the Americas to receive the Nobel Prize in Literature. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. So Sinclair Lewis from Minnesota, his stories were Main Street, Babbitt, and Elmer Gantry. Okay. All right. Another guy with Lewis in his name, C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Oh, stands yeah. Stands for Clive Staples Lewis. He was alive from 1898 to 1963. He's best known for... Of course, the Chronicles of Narnia series from yep. 1950 to 1956. There are seven books in that series. I have been planning to like do an episode on the Chronicles of Narnia, mostly because I can't oh. keep them all straight. Maybe you can do the. Why don't you do an episode on the Chronicles okay. of Narnia? Because you were like, oh, and I, I, I love was those like, books. Ugh. Oh yeah, um, no, I loved them. Anyway, be on the lookout for that, everybody. Mm, but, maybe uh, in a year or so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The seven books in the Chronicles of Narnia are The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, 
Prince Caspian, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, The Silver Chair, The Horse and His Boy, The Magician's Nephew, and The Last Battle. Um, C.S. Lewis also wrote The Screw Tape Letters in mm-hmm. 1942. He dedicated that to his friend J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, it was written in the form of a series of letters from a senior demon named Screw Tape to his nephew Wormwood about the nephew's responsibility in securing the damnation of a British man known only as the patient. And you've been like nodding along as I've yeah. been saying this. So so it seems like you've you're familiar with this. Yes, I'm I'm familiar with C.S. Lewis's writing for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up on the Chronicles of Narnia, and I think I read the Screw Tape Letters. Oh my god, ages and ages ago. I don't think I even remember a lot about it. I also have the problem of pain. Um, it's just he's a great. writer. He wrote a lot a lot of like religious themes. A lot of yeah. Um, did he write a lot of Catholic Catholic Christian yeah, Christian themes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Aslan is Jesus. You know, it's like it's a very like one to one kind of right. Yeah. So I think a lot of us do associate C.S. Lewis with the Chronicles of Narnia. But if you have any trouble remembering who wrote the Screw Tape Letters, okay, uh, this guy's name is Clive Staples Lewis, and the Screw Tape Letters. So you put up tape and staples on your desk together. That's true. That's true. Guys, I'm just throwing these things at you. Please they work for me. Hey, if they work for you, we're then we're doing our job. You know, and. The next fella here, and I, this always happens to me. I always have to do a double take before I answer a question about either of these guys together. Lewis Carroll. Mm -hmm. I always, like, my first instinct, I always mess up C.S. Lewis versus Lewis Carroll. I don't know why. I mean, they both have Lewis in their names. Lewis, exactly. So Lewis Carroll, his real name is Charles Ludwich Dodson. He was alive from 1832 to 1898. He, of course, wrote Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, published in 1865, that tells of a young girl named Alice who falls down the rabbit hole into a fantasy world populated by peculiar creatures. His second book was Through the Looking Glass and What Alice Found There from 1871. That included such verses as Jabberwocky and The Walrus and the Carpenter um, and the episode involving Tweedledee and Tweedledum, very famous. Anyway, you should listen to episode 156, The Vorpal Blade Went Snicker-Snack, for more on Jabberwocky. It's very good. I'm going to be plugging almost all of the yes. literary episodes that we've done. Please do. In this episode today. Please do. FYI. Lewis Carroll also wrote The Hunting of the Snark, mm-hmm. parenthesis, and Agony in Eight Fits, and parenthesis, from 1876. That's a nonsense poem that follows a crew of 10 trying to hunt the snark, which may turn out to be a highly dangerous boojum. <laughs> and I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. But anyway, so C.S. Lewis, Chronicles of Narnia, a lot of Christian stuff. Lewis Carroll, Alice in Wonderland, Jabberwock, Hunting of the Snark. Yeah. Kind of like nonsensey, fantastical things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, you think about Lewis Carroll. Carroll is a woman's name. Alice is a woman's <gasps> name. Carol and Alice. Lauren! I know. I'm doing this. I... On the fly. On the fly. We Boom. didn't even practice. Right off the cuff. Right off, spinning off the dome. <laughs> <laughs> Next section, females of sci-fi. Ooh, yes, good. And you know how I came up with this list? Um, because right after we did episode 175, The Brave New Worlds of Octavia Butler, like the very next day there was a learnedly question yes. where Octavia Butler was the answer. And so many people reached out to us and they were like, oh my God, thank God I just listened to that episode of yours mm-hmm. or else I wouldn't have known. And then we had a bunch of people who were like, I can't believe I didn't listen to that episode before <laughs> I'm, you know, the yeah. question. So anyway, people were doing a lot of confusing Octavia E. Butler with Ursula K. Le Guin yes. and N.K. Jemison. Mm-hmm. So Ursula K. Le Guin was alive from 1929 to 2018. She wrote Earthsea as part of the Earthsea cycle. Um, that was a series of books that she published between 1968 and 2001. She's also known for The Left Hand of Darkness from 1969 and The Dispossessed and Ambiguous Utopia from 1974. Mm. Um, also notably, Octavia E. Butler is a black woman. Yes. Ursula K. Le Guin is a white woman. Yes. Um, but another great black female sci-fi writer is N.K. Jemison or Nora Keita Jemison. Um, she's been alive 
She's been alive. Uh, she is alive. <laughs> okay, Currently great. alive. Great. 1972 <laughs> to the present. Um, she's known for her Inheritance Trilogy and her Broken Earth series. So the three books of her Broken Earth series made her the first author to win the Hugo Award for Best Novel in three consecutive years mm-hmm. for all three novels in a trilogy. And in October 2020, Jemison was announced as a recipient of the MacArthur Fellows Program Genius Grant. Amazing. Great for her. I just started following her on Twitter too, and she's oh yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah, we follow her too, and mm-hmm. by we I mean me. <laughs> Woo! So next is a section that's near and dear to all of our hearts because we all screw these guys up. Yeah, pesky Russians. Oh my gosh, yes. All right. So first on the list here I have is Alexander Pushkin. Yeah. You should check out episode 98 when mm-hmm. Pushkin comes to shove if you want more in on the life of Alexander Pushkin. It's very good. Uh, it is very good, Lauren. Thank you. Uh, so Alexander Pushkin was alive from 1799 to 1837. Um, his Probably his best known work is Eugene Onegin. Who's mm-hmm. Onegin? Yeah, Onegin. 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 It looks like it looks like one gin, if we're yeah. being honest. Um, so his best known work, and I'm just going to say it the way that I said it originally, which might be wrong. Eugene Onegin, um, which was a serialized story about Eugene Onegin aboard Saint Petersburg dandy who inherits a fortune and a landed estate in the country. So that is Alexander Pushkin's best known work, I would say. But next, Fyodor Dostoevsky. Yes, is a very. Very Russian. Very Russian. He had a very rough life. <laughs> um, he was alive from 1821 to 1881. He spent four years in a Siberian prison camp, followed oh. by six years of compulsory military service in Ugh. exile. My God. All right. He wrote Crime and Punishment from 1866, uh, which focused on the mental anguish and moral dilemmas of Rodion Raskolnikov, an impoverished ex-student in St. Petersburg who formulates a plan to kill an unscrupulous pawnbroker for her money, and then the pain and mental anguish that ensues. Mm -hmm. Um, After Crime and Punishment, we have The Idiot from 1869. So this title is actually an ironic reference to the central character of the novel, Prince Mishkin, who is a young man whose goodness leads many of the more worldly characters he encounters to mistakenly assume that he lacks intelligence and insight. Because he's such a good person, they think he's a real dum-dum. Oh, man. That's rough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if you were in exile in Siberia for six years, you'd probably also be a little cynical. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. You maybe would not think the best about your fellow man. Nope. Yeah. Nope. So the the third work you should know from Dostoevsky is, of course, The Brothers Karamazov from 1880. So that's a philosophical novel dealing with the problems of modernizing Russia. The brothers are Dmitri, Ivan, and Alexei, and their father is Fyodor. So Dostoevsky, Crime and Punishment, The Idiot, and The Brothers Karamazov. Very Russian. Very Russian. Very, very dark. Pain. Yeah. Yes. Um, a Russian who actually, I was actually surprised about some of the stuff about this next guy, Leo oh. Tolstoy. Oh, okay. okay. He was born Lev Nikolaevich Tolstoy, uh, alive from 1828 to 1910. He received nominations for the Nobel Prize in Literature every year from 1902 to 1906. And he was also nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize in 1901, huh. 1902, and 1909. He never won any of them, though. Oh, okay. Um, so his first best-known work is, of course... The longest, the longest, book. the longest, book. <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's the longest book, but anyway, War and Peace. Yes. Um, it was first published serially and then in its entirety, it chronicles the French invasion of Russia and the impact of the Napoleonic era on czarist society through the stories of five Russian aristocratic families. Okay. The next biggest work of his is Anna Karenina from 1878. It centers on an extramarital affair between Anna and Count Vronsky that scandalizes the social circles of St. Petersburg and forces the young lovers to flee to Italy in a search for happiness. The first line of the novel is happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. For more famous opening lines of novels, check out episode 159, Once Upon a Time. It's very good. Um, Tolstoy considered Anna Karenina his, his first true novel and many writers consider it to be the greatest work of literature ever. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's also kind of long. 
Yeah, I've I've never there's a train involved. There's a tra- yeah, there's yeah. a train. Oh, we talk about it in the first lines yeah. <laughs> episode. <laughs> You'll check it out. Um, another work of his is The Death of Ivan Ilyich from uh-huh. 1886. It tells the story of a high court judge in 19th century Russia and his sufferings and death from a terminal illness. Um, and then also the book The Kingdom of God is Within You from 1894 huh. is a nonfiction political treatise on nonviolent resistance and a new organization for society based on an interpretation of Christianity focusing on universal love. This huh. work influenced Gandhi and MLK Jr. Get out. And because it was so like instrumental in like publicizing non the nonviolence movement, that's why he was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, okay. So despite writing War and Peace, yeah. Leo Tolstoy was a real peaceful peace, guy. Peacenik. Really into peace. Yes. Good for him. Yeah, exactly. Moving along to another pesky Russian. Sure. Anton Chekhov. Oh, yeah. He was a Russian playwright and a short story writer alive from 1860 to 1904. He's probably, you know, he's very well known for the principal Chekhov's gun. Sure, yeah. Which is basically comes down to every element in a story must be necessary and irrelevant elements should be removed and elements should not appear to make false promises by never coming into play. So you often hear people kind of quote some version of if in the first act you've hung a pistol on the wall, then in the following one, it should be fired. Otherwise don't put it there. Yeah, exactly. Chekhov's gun was never actually specifically in any of his works. It's oh, that's just, interesting. It's just cited like between letters between him and other people, like when he's talking about like, here's how you really need to write a story. Yeah. And like he as just an kind example. of use that as an example. Exactly. So if someone's like, well, uh, what was the play that starred Chekhov's gun? Like there is, there is not one, one folks. Um, but he did write three very well-known plays. Um, the first is uncle Vanya from 1898. It portrays the visit of an elderly professor and his glamorous, much younger second wife, Yelena, to the rural estate that supports their urban lifestyle. Two friends, Vanya, the brother of the professor's late first wife, who has long managed the estate, and Astrov, the local doctor, they both fall under Yelena's spell while Uh complaining about their provincial existence. I haven't seen it. Neither have I. (laughs) Don't worry about it. I haven't read it. I haven't seen it. I know of it. That's as far as I got. Um, another one of Chekhov's plays is called The Three Sisters mm-hmm. from 1900. It deals with the Prozorov family, sisters Olga, Maria, and Irina. And his third best-known play is The Cherry Orchard from 1904 that evolves around an aristocratic Russian landowner who returns to her family estate, which includes a large and very well-known cherry orchard, just before it's auctioned to pay off the mortgage. So Chekhov... You got Chekhov's gun, Uncle Vanya, Three Sisters, and the Cherry Orchard. All right. And then this last Russian, I just got a question wrong about him on Jeopardy today. Oh, really? I'm so mad because I had like just typed all this up and I still <laughs> screwed it all up. It's all right. Alexander Solzhenitsyn. I I know the name. It's I don't so think hard I know to spell. Single. I, hope this, I hope you never have to write this answer down, everybody. Okay. <laughs> Alexander Solzhenitsyn. A L E K S A N D R. S-O-L-Z-H-E-N-I-T-S-Y-N. Yeah, I was never going to get there. Alexander Solzhenitsyn was alive from 1918 to 2008. So after serving in the Red Army during World War II, he was sentenced to spend eight years in a labor camp and then internal exile for criticizing Joseph Stalin in a private letter. Oh, hey, for more on Stalin, check out episode 123, Man of Steel, Heart of Ice, Joseph Stalin. So Solzhenitsyn... If depressing. Yeah. Um, so Solzhenitsyn is best known for the novel's Cancer Ward from 1968, which tells the story of a small group of patients in Ward 13, the cancer ward of a hospital in Tashkent, Soviet Uzbekistan in 1954, one year after Stalin's death. So Cancer Ward is Solzhenitsyn. And his best known work from 1973 is the Gulag Archipelago. Oh, so, right. Right. I I can't ever keep it in my head, but I have an idea. The Gulag Archipelago covers life in what is often known as the Gulag, uh, the Soviet forced labor camp system, through a narrative constructed from various sources, including Solzhenitsyn's own experience as a Gulag prisoner. So I guess if I had to figure out a way to remember this. So uh, 
Solzhenitsyn makes me think of the word soldier. Oh, sure, yeah. And then part of the labor camp system, you're being jailed, you're in the gulag, so you might have some soldiers as the jailers sure. in the gulag. Yeah, there I mean, we that's go. Connected, that's, sure. That's my connection. Um, and he's also like the of the five guys I've named, like he's the one that died the most recently. I was gonna say he's the most modern. I yeah. had no idea that he was a 20th century author. Because his name is so many letters in yeah. it. You'd think he would have written him, <laughs> given himself a pen name. Exactly. All right. My next section, very short. Grams. Oh, like the crackers? Yeah, pretty okay. much. Uh so Graham Green. Okay. Uh, it was live 1904 to 1991. He wrote a lot of Catholic religious mm-hmm, books. So mm-hmm. Catholic religious themes are at the root of much of his writing, especially his four major Catholic novels, Brighton Rock, The Power and the Glory, and also The End of the Affair. And then I forget what the fourth one was. Sorry, everybody. It's all right. Um, but uh, there are two books that I would say that you should know about him. Um, the Quiet American from oh, 1955. Yeah. It's narrated in the first person by journalist Thomas Fowler. It depicts the breakdown of French colonialism in Vietnam and early American involvement in the Vietnam War. And his um, other one you should probably know is Our Man in Havana from 1958. So that's a novel set in Cuba, which actually makes fun of intelligence services. Um, It predates the Cuban Missile Crisis, but appears to anticipate events of 1962. Oh, boy. For more on the Cuban Missile Crisis, you can look at episode 125, El Comandante Fidel Castro. It's very good. So... Graham Greene, a lot of Catholic religious English novels, um, and also The Quiet American and Our Man in Havana. Because, and you're going to make fun of me for confusing this, I confuse him with Kenneth Graham, a Scottish children's author and banker who wrote The Wind in the Willows. (laughs) Oh, okay. I don't think I ever knew who The Wind in the Willows author was. Okay. Well, it's Kenneth Graham. Uh, He was live from 1859 to 1932. So, uh, So he was much older than Graham Greene, um, wrote The Wind in the Willows, which was published in 1908, that focuses on four anthropomorphized animals, mole, rat, toad, and badger, who lived in a pastoral version of Edwardian England. Um, he also wrote a collection of stories called Dream Days, which was published in 1898, and um, probably the most famous of those is called The Reluctant Dragon, uh, that's often seen as a prototype to most modern stories in which a dragon is a sympathetic character rather than a threat. Oh, okay. And both of those things were made into like children's sure, movies yeah. and Disney Disney Disneyfied them mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. mid 20th century um also but for some reason in my head I uh I see Graham Greene's name and I think he wrote Wind, Wind in the, the Willows, Willows and yeah. he didn't he didn't do that <laughs> guys uh, he was a catholic author wrote The Quiet American and Kenneth Graham was a nice scottish guy and a banker who wrote children's nice stories. children's stories <laughs> yes This next section is called Uggs <laughs> Okay. A-U-G-H-S. Okay. So the first one is Somerset Mom. Oh, yeah. M-A-U-G-H-A-M. Somerset Mom was alive from 1874 to 1965. His best known work is called Of Human Bondage. Yes. From 1915. And you're like, what the? Anyway, it's semi-autobiographical novel that deals with the life of the main character named Philip Carey, who, like Somerset Mom, was orphaned and brought up by his pious uncle. So it's not like a BDSM book (laughs) from 1915. (laughs) It's... Um, it's a it's, more of a metaphor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it, it's a phrase that comes from a verse of some sort. <laughs> and don't confuse Somerset Mom with Evelyn Waugh. Oh, yeah. Evelyn Waugh or W-A-U-G-H. Yes. Yes. From uh, he, he was around from 1903 to 1966. Probably most famous for Brideshead Revisited. Yes. From 1945. So the full title of that is Brideshead Revisited, The Sacred and Profane Memories of Captain Charles Ryder, which follows from the 1920s to the early 1940s, the life and romances of the protagonist Charles Ryder, most especially his friendship with the Flights, a family of wealthy English Catholics who live in a palatial mansion called Brideshead Castle. And uh, Charles Ryder has relationships with two of the Flights, (gasps) Julia and Sebastian. (gasps) Kill scandal. Oh my goodness. 1945. My gosh. Evelyn Waugh. Uh, I always get Evelyn Waugh mixed up with Edith Wharton and only one of those people is is a a woman. woman. (laughs) Exactly. 
Do you know what? I also, I had had Edith Wharton on here too because it was another EW. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, whatever. I need to shorten this We'll up. figure it's it fine. out. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, we could talk about her at another, we should do a, just a whole episode. Sure. Yeah, Wharton. absolutely. There's a lot of fun stories about her. Next section is called Private Eyes. Ooh. Because they're I can watching use you. these guys. Yeah, they're they're watching you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raymond Chandler was oh, alive yeah. from 1888 to 1959, best known for The Big Sleep, mm-hmm. which he published in 1939, uh, starring cool. Philip Marlowe as his main detective character, who was also in Farewell, My Lovely, and The Long Goodbye, as mm-hmm. well as some other short stories. Philip Marlowe, his initials are P.M., part of the book the big sleep you go to sleep at night in the pm that's how i remember that <laughs> Philip marlowe did the big sleep but sometimes i confuse him with the author dashiell hammett oh yeah uh-huh from 1894 to 1961 he created a couple of other detective characters too um so he did the continental op who was in red harvest and the dane curse Sam Spade yes. from the Maltese Falcon, mm-hmm. who also appeared in four maybe lesser known short stories by Hammett, and also Nick and Nora Charles from yes. The Thin Man. So basically, Philip Marlowe is probably the only real character that Raymond Chandler ended up inventing. Mm-hmm. So ready? Oh, this just came to me. Ooh, please lay it on me. Okay. <laughs> so we got Philip Marlowe, PM, Big Sleep. Okay. Yeah. If you're going to sleep at night, maybe you're listening to the radio. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Uh, and Raymond Chandler, the initials are RC, like a radio-controlled oh, thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Guys, it might work. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, <laughs> I read a lot of um, uh, Dashiell Hammett and Raymond Chandler. I had a class in college called Detective Fiction and Film, where we oh, talked that's about- that's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. I read a lot of really great books, and we watched a lot of great noir films. Mm. Uh, including Double Indemnity, which is when I fell in love with Barbara Stanwyck. I but was anyway. just going to say, actually, I skipped over this part. <laughs> Raymond Chandler co-wrote the screenplay for Double Indemnity oh, with Billy great. Wilder. Yeah, it's a phenomenal movie. If you can look past Bab Stanwyck in a really bad blonde wig, she's phenomenal in it. It's a great noir film. It's amazing. Put it on your list, everybody. Put it on your list. All right. Our next section is called 20th Century American Jewish Men. Okay, great. Great because I confused them, and they considered themselves a, a group of great American Jewish writers. Great. So Saul Bellow. Oh, yeah. He was alive from 1915 to 2005. He was a Canadian-American, awarded the Pulitzer Prize, the Nobel Prize for Literature, and the National Medal of Arts. His best-known works include The Adventures of Augie March, Herzog, Humboldt's Gift, Henderson the Rain King, and Ravelstein. Okay. Not to be confused with Bernard Malamud who was alive from 1914 to 1986. He was an American novelist and short story writer who is probably best known for The Natural from 1952. Oh, yeah. uh, That follows Roy Hobbs, a baseball prodigy, whose career is sidetracked when he's shot by a woman whose motivation remains mysterious. Most of the story concerns itself with his attempts to return to baseball later in life when he plays for the fictional New York Knights with his legendary bat named Wonder Boy. Uh, That was a movie. Of course it was. Starring... Robert Redford? Yes. And that was filmed in Buffalo. Really? Yeah. Parts of that film were filmed in Buffalo. But it was real cheap. Uh, it was cheap and also because they wanted uh, period buildings. And Buffalo was the And Buffalo place. was like, we got them. We, we didn't tear our stuff down no, we yet. we did. We couldn't afford to. <laughs> <laughs> um, Malamud's other story besides The Natural is called The Fixer from 1966. It was about anti-Semitism in the Russian Empire. Oh. I won both the National Book Award for Fiction and the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction. So oh, okay. Someone yeah, liked he it. wrote like two books and they were both like incredible. Knocked him out of the park. Yeah. yeah. A guy who wrote a lot of books that none of us ladies here have called incredible is Philip Roth. Oh yeah. That's uh, that's definitely the, those are a lot of dude books. Dude books. Um so Philip Roth lived from 1933 to 2018. Uh Roth's fiction regularly set in his birthplace of Newark, New Jersey is known for blurring the distinction between reality and fiction. Um probably best known works are Goodbye Columbus and Portnoy's Complaint. Yes. Um he has an alter ego named Nathan Zuckerman who is included in the works Zuckerman Bound. American Pastoral, The Human Stain, and Exit Ghost. 
Um, Portnoy's complaint, man, is is just one of those, just just one of those like dirty, yeah, dirty books. As an English, <laughs> as an English major in college, I uh, knew a lot of dudes who worshipped at the at the feet of both Hunter S. Thompson and, and Philip Roth. Roth. Yeah, it's a yeah. certain. It's a certain type. personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Yeah, so keeping those track is Saul Bellow was Augie March, Herzog, Humboldt's Gift, Henderson, the Rain King, Ravelstein. Bernard Malamud is the natural and the fixer. Philip Roth wrote a lot of stuff based in Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> um, a lot of stuff with Nathan Zuckerman and, of course, Portnoy's Complaint. Yes. And our last section is... Georges, who were actually ladies. Oh, I love this. Okay, yes. great. So first is George Sand. Mm-hmm. Her real name was Amantine Lucille Aurore Dupin. Wow. She was alive from 1804 to 1876, and she is a very famous French novelist. Uh, George Sand, as I'll just refer to her, she was one of many notable 19th century women who chose to wear male attire in public without a permit, <gasps> justifying them as being less expensive and far sturdier than the typical dress of a noblewoman at the time. True. And of course, in addition to being comfortable, her male attire enabled her to circulate more freely in Paris than many of her female mm-hmm. contemporaries. Yep. Her literary debut came as a result of a collaboration with the writer Jules Sandeau. They published several stories together, signing them as Jules Sand. And Sand's first published novel was Rose Blanche from 1831, and it was written in collaboration with Sandeau. Her first independent novel called Indiana from 1832, um, and of course she wrote dozens of others. Um, She remained immensely popular as a writer throughout her lifetime and long after her death, even though people didn't know that she was a woman. Um, And do you know who she had many romantic affairs with? Uh, One was a very famous uh, Polish man who played a piano. Oh my God, was it, uh, what's his name? Why can't I think of his name? It's so late. I'm so sorry. Poland's most famous expert yeah. besides Copernicus is Frederick Chopin. Chopin, that's it. We saw yes. him at, at <laughs> the Dingus Day Parade. We saw him at the Dingus Day Parade in his anthropomorphic piano. Yes. Yeah. And then finally, George Eliot. Mm-hmm was Marianne Evans was her real name. So she was around from 1819 to 1880. So they were pretty pretty contemporary together. Yeah. She's an English novelist. Um, she adopted the nom de plume George Eliot, as she explained to her biographer, J.W. Cross. Um, she had a lover named George Luz. And she so she picked George because that was his first name. And she liked the word Eliot because it was a, quote, good, mouth-filling, easily pronounced word. Great. George Eliot. Great. She wrote mouth. seven novels... Um, Adam Bede, The Mill on the Floss, Silas Marner, Romola, Felix Holt the Radical, Middlemarch, and Daniel Deronda. Mm-hmm. So if it has a French title, it's probably <laughs> George Sand. Yeah. <laughs> if it has an, a very English sounding title, it's probably George Eliot. All right, great. So there you go. I hope I hope Those some of that great. was helpful. Came up with some mnemonics on the fly, but at least like getting a refresher and yeah. some of the some of their best known things. Hopefully, some of it sticks. Perfect. I love this series. It's great. So our quiz tonight is called "Hi, My Name Is." This is a quiz on the stage names of contemporary celebrities. So this is very straightforward. I'm going to give you their real birth name, and you tell me what they are better known as in popular culture. Okay. And these are all people who are still alive, part of our lives today. Okay. Okay. All right. Number one, Peter Jean Hernandez. Number two, Eric Marlin Bishop. Number three, Ashley Frangipane. Number four, Marvin Lee Aday. Number five, Annika Tanya Mirage. Number six, Tracy Lauren Marrow. Number seven, Vera Mindy Chocolingham. Number eight, Christopher Edwin Bro, spelled B-R-E-A-U-X. Number nine, Dwayne Michael Carter Jr. 
And finally, if you've been paying attention to the podcast, question 10, Vincent Damon Fernier. Give you a minute to think about it, and then we'll be back with your answers. I I know, do not know a lot of these. <laughs> I'll give you a, like the category that they're best known for. Okay. All right. I'll helps. try that. All right. I'm still not super hopeful, but. All right. Okay. Number one, a musician. Okay. Peter Jean Hernandez. Peter Jean Hernandez. Jean like G-E-N-E, mm-hmm. I'm assuming. Yeah. Peter Jean Hernandez. A musician. Mm-hmm. You absolutely know him. You I'm sure him. I do. You love him and you know him. Shoot. I'm going to be so sad when I find out who this is, aren't I? Peter Jean Hernandez. I don't know. Harry Styles? I do love Harry Styles. This is Bruno Mars, baby. Is it really Bruno Mars? Oh, I love him. He's so cute. He's so cute. Yep. Uh, next, Eric Marlin Bishop is an actor. Eric Marlin Bishop. Is it Eric Stone Street? No. No. I I will say that everyone I picked, it's not like their their real first name. Oh, okay. It's all like a up. completely different. Yeah. Like Shoot. Julianne Moore's real name is Julie Ann Smith. And oh, like yeah. that's not fun. That's to not know. interesting. Yeah. Eric Marlin Bishop. Eric Marlin Bishop. Uh he played a musician in a famous role, if that's helpful at all. Oh, man. Uh, See, I love I love real name stuff. Yeah, so yeah. to me, this is all like... Is so it, I'm your gal for the. For yeah, this that's true. She, you would be the person this. I would yeah. turn to if we got this at... I'm going to say, uh, I don't know, Jamie Foxx? It is Jamie Foxx. Is Fox. it really? Yes. Oh, my God, yay! Perfect. All right, number three. Ashley Frangipane, and she's a musician. Ashley Frangipane. Uh, she's a musician. And she goes by one word, if that helps. Halsey? Yes. Oh, yes. You got it. All right, number four is a musician that you love. <laughs> Marvin Lee Aday. Yeah, and you know what? I know this, but I can't think of who it is. <laughs> And I'm so mad at myself <laughs> because I've definitely seen this name and I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's my boy. Poop. I'm <laughs> so mad. I mean, he'd do anything for love. <gasps> that's my boy Meatloaf. It's your boy Meatloaf. Of course it's Was my boy. born Marvin Lee a day and then like later in life he changed it to Michael Lee a day and I'm not totally clear why but because i mean do you believe a man named marvin who sings i would do anything for love (laughs) no you don't believe him (laughs) maybe michael definitely meatloaf (laughs) (laughs) all right number five annika tanya mirage this is Nicki minaj absolutely yeah number six tracy lauren marrow what category is this person uh he is a musician slash actor shoot was it Tracy? Tracy Lauren Marrow. Lauren spelled like you, Lauren. Really? Yep. Good. Musician slash actor. And the fact that I told you it was a guy is, is a good 
clue. Because if you look at the name Tracy Lauren Marrow, you might think that's a woman. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Is it Idris Elba? No. It's Ice T. Is it Ice T? Really? Ice Isn't it baby. Lauren? Mm-hmm. Tracy oh. Lauren Marrow. We have a connection. Number seven, Vera Mindy Chocolingham. That's Mindy Kalem. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, number eight, Christopher Edwin Bro is a musician. I don't know, John Legend? No. That's, I mean, you're you're in the ballpark. And that's, John Legend is not John Legend's real name well, either. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, is it common? Is Frank Ocean. Frank Ocean. Shoot, I was close. You're right. Yeah. All right, number nine, Dwayne Michael Carter Jr. And what category is that? Uh, musician slash actor. So it's not Dwayne the Rock Johnson. It's not Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh, shoot. Um... Slash actor. Slash a previous contestant on The Masked Singer. <laughs> oh, no. I have to pay more attention to The Masked Singer. Everybody should pay more attention to The Masked I mean, Singer. It's, I think it's Josh and I are bat- the only people in America who watch no, The Masked Singer. It's bat shit. I should watch more <laughs> it more often. It's out of control. Um, Dwayne Michael Carter Jr. Dwayne Michael Carter Jr. Nick Carter. No, it's Lil Wayne. Oh, it's Lil Wayne. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then finally, this is a little wink nod at everybody that loves the podcast, Vincent Damon Fernier. And I cannot believe the frozen look on your face right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be so mad. Is it Vin Diesel? No. No. Who is it? (laughs) Is it Channing Tatum? (laughs) Lauren! Oh no, it's oh my god! <laughs> it's Alice Cooper. Cooper! Oh my god, I forgot about him. I just I just recycled that calendar that you gave me last year of Alice Cooper. <laughs> Episode 114. Free me from this curse, Alice Cooper. For more. Alice Cooper. On Shock Rocker, golf enthusiast, and our personal demon. Can I Alice tell you something? Cooper. I I have a coworker. He works in facilities. My good bud Andy. And the other day, I was walking around the gallery, and he looked at me and he goes, "Hey," because he did some work in my office. Hey, I didn't know you were an Alice Cooper fan, and I didn't have the heart <laughs> to tell him to that tell you him necessarily an Alice Cooper music fan. I was more of a, a being haunted by the spirit of Alice Cooper. So I was just like, "Yeah, man, no more Mister Nice Guy," you know. I think. <laughs> It was it was maybe like right around Christmas time. Um, I think Jesse on our uh, Facebook page post saw a, saw a car that had an Alice Cooper like yes. face stuck on the back of it, and she took a picture and sent that to yeah, us. And that thought was of us. That funny. was very funny. So yeah, I'm haunted by the spirit of Vincent Alice Cooper. Damon Fernier. So dumb. I can't believe I didn't think of that. Birth name of Alice Cooper. He has since changed his legally legally changed his name to Alice Cooper so yes. that he could use it. It's great check out that episode if you want to know more about him it's very funny um that was great that's it that was wonderful thank you so much that was a very good quiz you should do that again you should do like a round two on that like that yeah because that was a real that was a real a real thinker brain teaser yeah and some uh things like this used to come up on confetti all the time too oh yeah that's true it was like what's the you know Mm -hmm. what do you what's this person better known as and so like especially the iced tea one i was like oh yeah Yeah, i knew that one Confetti, R.I.P. I I probably once a month I go, man, I really miss confetti. Yeah, confetti <laughs> was pretty great when we won some money. You, I won you like, guys, won I won like fourteen hundred bucks off confetti. Yeah, you won some serious cash on. Call that my Zuck bucks. Yeah, since it was uh, coming from Facebook. Yeah, he so. could afford that. Um, yeah, thanks, Jewel, and thanks everybody for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and uh, we will catch you next time. Goodbye. Bye.